Welcome to The Future is Female Powerlifting, a show where women of all strengths can explore the world of female powerlifting. I am your host, Heidi Donnell, a 60-kilo powerlifting gym owner, and each episode we bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you unlock your true inner strength potential. Thanks for tuning in. Aloha, my beautiful friends. We are on to episode 47, and I know you are all just as stoked as I am, maybe to have some normalcy in your life. (laughs) Uh, Everything's kind of crazy right now. You know, I'm thinking at some point somebody's going to listen to this podcast way in the future, and we're going to look back and be like, man, you remember when we had that huge scare going on with the coronavirus? Um, And so we're in the middle of it right now. It is March... 15th, I believe. And it's it's pretty intense right here. And um, I know all of you, besides uh, the major factor of everybody, you know, who is getting infected and sick and, and passing away. Um, I know a lot of all of us powerlifters are sad that our meets are being canceled and our gyms are having to close. So I wish you all, you know, the very best trying to you know, make sense of everything that's going on right now for yourself. And remember, you know, doing something is better than not doing anything. So if it's push-ups, sit-ups, lifting your kid on your back and squatting your husband, whatever um, works for you, do something, you know, just for your sanity. And just know that you won't lose your gains. You know, you might lose it just temporarily, but I promise you it will come back with a vengeance when all of this clears up and you can get back in the gym. So just know I'm here with you and I am even thinking I might do an extra episode each week until this kind of clears over because I know a lot of us might be at home for a little bit. I know that my children are with me and for all you moms out there, you know how that is. And I got three of them. It ain't just one. So it can be a little difficult. But today we have Miss Mel well, I'm going to I'm going to say her her real name, Melissa Avenasian. I, I'm sorry, Mel, if I kind of butchered that a little bit. She is also known as Mel Aven. If you are a female powerlifter, which uh, 86% of you are, according to my Spotify report, uh, you might be par- part of the powerlifting group in Facebook called Powerlifting Women. And Mel was the creator, is the creator of that page. Um, And over the years, uh, it has warped into a large group that connects other women uh, throughout the world who powerlift. And it's been fantastic. Um, The growth of it has been exponential. And a lot of that is not necessarily due to her. She even says that her moderators do so much to help push the page and help it be more interactive and more supportive. Uh, So if you are not part of that page, I suggest you go onto Facebook, Powerlifting Women, just type that in and just add yourself in the group. It's wonderful. I like to chime in every once in a while. And Mel and I actually go over that a little bit. And some of the things that I see and, 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 you know, read, I should say, listen, but read um, that other women have to struggle through. And we talk about that a little bit. So Mel is uh, studying to get her master's degree, and part of her master's, she is conducting a study. Now, when we took, when we recorded this episode, 
it was in the works. So we weren't 100% positive that she was going to be able to do this study and it was going to be approved, but it is approved. And the cool thing about it is that if you are in the area, uh, she's in she's in Georgia, she's in the Atlanta-ish area. If you're able to be a part of this study and meet the qualifications for this Mel would love for you to be a part of it. So let me break it down for what the qualifications are and how you get in contact with her. So they are looking for a nationally qualified drug tested competitor with a class two total or above. You have to be willing to do an eight week training protocol with no outside training. So this might be great for somebody who just finished a meet and doesn't really have anything coming up. Uh, you need to compete before and after the study so that they have a pre-test and a post-test value so that <clears throat> so the meets can be up to 10 weeks apart um, and you can start training one to two weeks after the first competition if you need to. And you can email Mel at melsmoves at gmail.com. That's M-E-L-S-M-O-V-E-S at gmail.com. I also have her email in the show notes. Should you just click on the thing, scroll up, you'll be able to see her in there. You can also get in contact with her on Facebook if needed, but probably email is going to be a better choice because she's a busy lady. And this study is also for men or women. So if you meet the qualifications, Reach out to her and you can, um, she can give you more information about everything. But we really get into what the study is about towards the end of the episode. So you don't want to miss out. If you are interested in training, you know that this episode is brought to you by my gym, Core Strength and Performance, where we live through strength. And now more than ever, we might need some online training. <laughs> that is something that um, I'm having to style step with my athletes right now because. Uh, I would say a good part of them can't get to the gym. So if that's something you're interested in, holla at your girl. You can email me at Heidi at the futures female powerlifting.com. And let's get into it with Mel. And I, I love that. I mean, this has taken, let's see, almost a year for us to to finally get together. And I'm I know. I'm so I stoked felt- about it. Don't feel bad. I mean, I this is my thing is like I always approach people and I'm like, they say no, they say no. A lot of people are just they don't have enough time. I know how it is, you know, to just carve out an hour can be very difficult and it's got to be like an hour where you're thinking a lot and being asked <laughs> questions. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does, it feels like, um, pressure when you're on the spotlight in a way, if you're yeah. not used to it, yeah. where, um, I, I like for the spotlight to be like on my clients. Yeah. I really enjoy that because I feel like I'm accomplishing something if they are, yeah. but when it's on me, I feel like, you know, you never want to say the wrong thing or have the wrong tone because someone might take what you're saying literally. And I, I joke a lot and I'm, um, I have that type of banter personality where if the wrong person hears it and they take it literally or whatever, I don't want them to, um, start shaping their training on it. If I say something sarcastic or something like that. So I'm just like, tone it down, Mel, you know, you can, (laughs) you can speak straight for like, and, and I teach university college kids. So like, I, I find myself saying things and I'm just like, Oh, I probably shouldn't, I probably shouldn't do that. So. I never thought about that. I didn't realize that you, that you actually teach. So, or cause right now you're finishing up your master's. What? Yeah. So my master's is literally hanging on just my thesis being complete. So I have, I'm not taking any classes, uh, but they asked me if I would teach uh, fitness 
at the university because they said, you know, with your experience coaching, it might be, it might come second nature. And I was just talking to my supervisor yesterday. I was like, do you remember how I felt when I first started teaching? He's like, yeah, you hated it. And I was like, yes, because it, I went from one-on-one with my athletes to like a group of 30 people who are not really interested right. in what I have to say, who don't really know where I come from or what my background is, who aren't really on board, you know? So it was hard for me because I have like, I really want everyone to do well and everybody's different. Yeah. So how do you go from like customizing one-on-one training with each individual to now 30 people from 30 different walks of life, all different athletic levels. Some have never done anything in their lives and some come from like high school football and they're, you know, super fast, super strong, and they don't take it seriously for that reason. You know, so it was a, it was a struggle, but this semester, I, I think I got lucky with my students cause they're awesome. They're working together really well. They're pushing each other. Yesterday I had one of my guys, um, I'm letting them use barbells now and he squatted three, 65 benched 275 wow and yeah crazy right and then uh one of the girls squatted 200 like nothing wow and i'm just like i have so like severely underestimated um these kids you know because yeah. you know you never think that you'd but then again you're in a pool of 30 people of course some of them are gonna you know stand out so now I'm, i might be recruiting them yeah so. <laughs> that's awesome so the class are you teaching like uh like weightlifting and personal training or what is what is the course so one class is a concepts of fitness so i basically teach them everything from cardio to muscular strength endurance nutrition. So everything that has to do with fitness is all encompassing and it's a hybrid online course. So most of the course materials are online, but I do the fitness like uh, facilitation. So anything in the gym. So once, when we have a cardio chapter, I go through cardio with them, how to find your max, how do you find your cardio zone, stuff like that. And then when we have the muscular strength endurance, we do like max pushups for one minute or, um, you know, for, for some of them bench press or, we'd use, um, the machines at the gym and all of that. So it's everything. And then they also opened up a barbell class because, um, they're like, well, you have the experience. You could teach it. Yes. So I also teach the barb. They just launched the barbell course. It's really cool. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, there it's literally just the big three that we're teaching. No freaking way. That is awesome. It's so cool. Yeah. I never had that. Um, I had that- weightlifting. I never had, uh, the big three because my degree is in kinesiology. So we did like mm-hmm. basic weight training. And luckily, actually, my one professor was a, a bodybuilder. I mean, I don't know if he ever really competed. He just built like a small bodybuilder. Awesome dude. And the other one was a powerlifter. And so we we're kind of lucky. I never knew and never took advantage of it. But um, yeah, we didn't we didn't get to dive deep into those three. You know, it's kind of like basic overview. But Oh my gosh, that would be so awesome to have. So you get to break it down from like brand, brand new, right? Yeah. And, and we get down into the nitty gritty. So last semester, uh, when we first launched it, we went through and, um, basically structured it. So they're learning the technical fundamentals of the big three and, what ended up happening was at the end of the course, we had them teach 
someone else how to do the lift. And that was kind of their like final project is grab someone who doesn't know how to squat, bench or deadlift, make a video of yourself teaching them how, and then correcting their technical errors. Mm. And what ended up happening was so cool was that literally I would trust any of these kids to teach someone else or to coach someone else on the big three. Cause they're that good at it after that course. Wow. Yeah. They were very, very technical. So it was really, really fun. I had a good time. W- which school is this? Columbus state university. So okay. Columbus, Georgia, a yeah. little bit South of Atlanta. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. I gotta, I would love for that to be out here. I was talking to, uh, Christina, Christina Myers, one of the other guests, and she's a coach too. And, uh, she's out at, you know, she's in Birmingham. So they got a lot more schools out there. We have a couple out here and I would love to be able to do something like that. Like I would just love to be able to be a part of that beginning journey. Cause I think it's so important, especially for women. Like we just, you don't have that as much, you know? So it's, it's awesome that you get to make an impact like that. So what got you started in coaching and power? Let's start you off in powerlifting. What even went down that path? This is the funniest story because I accidentally happened upon powerlifting. Oh. I, it's, it's really funny. Okay. So I was, I was a personal trainer for years before I even heard of powerlifting and a man, an older gentleman came up to me at the gym and I was squatting and he's like, do you compete? And I was like, compete in what? Because I'm not, I don't look like a bodybuilder. And to me, when someone said compete, that's what I thought of. Right. And they're like, well, powerlifting. And then I was like, well, what, what the heck is that? And he kind of looked at me like I was the biggest idiot and walked away. <laughs> and I <laughs> and I went on, I, I Googled like powerlifting and I started looking into all the forums and all that. And I was like, this looks so cool. I, this is how I train basically. And right. I just never really knew it. All I did was, okay, five more pounds each week means that I'm going to make gains over time. Right. And I signed up for a competition two weeks away. Oh my gosh. I ordered a belt from Inzer and I cut 10 pounds like a moron. (laughs) (laughs) And all the smart things you do on your first meet, let's give a two week prep, get yourself a brand new belt that's not been broken in and let's cut 10 pounds. (laughs) Yeah. And I just, I, I didn't know a single person when I went over there. I didn't have a handler. I didn't know anything. And I just, I had so much fun. (gasps) That's awesome. Uh, And that, and that was in Georgia, California. I'm from California. That's right. That's right. That's right. Southern, Southern California. Yeah. LA. That's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Cause I lived in San Jose. So not that NorCal, you know, not that SoCal (laughs) is that NorCal. (laughs) That's awesome. So you got the, you got bit by the powerlifting bug And then from that point on, you just kind of dove deep into it because now you're a coach, you have the A team, you have, you know, you have so many amazing things that you're doing besides pursuing your master's. You've also, which I think is probably you didn't think it was going to be so big, but the powerlifting page, which is women of powerlifting, right? And this is a Facebook page that has like, how many followers now? Oh my gosh. I think we're well over 16,000 at this point, That's crazy. which is ridiculous, yes. right? Yeah. I think that's the biggest page on powerlifting for women, isn't it? I think so. I think it was one of the first. And, um, I, when we reached like a couple thousand, I was like, this is our peak. This is yeah. awesome. Like we have so many <laughs> cool people in here. And I think we just had a bunch of really big names that came in and helped some of the newer people back in the day. I don't even remember when I started it, 2015 or something. I, I 
couldn't tell you now, but uh, we had people come in just helping each other, creating a community. I think that's the biggest aspect of it was the community. Yeah. And we, I couldn't do it without my moderators there. If it were up to me, I would let anything slide on that page because I'm a softie, <laughs> but they really buckle down and make it a educational, informational place where people, they can come in and they could talk about themselves, but it's very structured so that people are there mostly to learn yeah. instead of doing the whole like, like my selfie thing. Yeah. Um, we kind of turned it into more, how do you power lift? What equipment do you need? What kind of gear do they check at, at a meet? Um, how do you do weight cuts? Anything related to powerlifting. Uh, and we also get to talk about things that are important to women, like how the cycle affects us and uh, all that stuff too. So I think it, it became a really great resource. Yeah. I like that there's themes. Um, who are, who are the other uh, moderators? I know Autumn is one of them, correct? Autumn is my golden cockatoo of a moderator. She's the best. <laughs> honestly, I make so much fun of her because she's such a good sport, but golden she, cockatoo, is that because of her hair? Yeah. I, her hair <laughs> her is the best, so cute. right? Yeah. She, um, I think she's she's famous on there. Like everybody yeah. thinks the page is hers and basically she runs it. Yeah. So, um she she's one of my moderators. She's one of my OGs. Like she's she's been my client for years and years and years. Wow. So, um she's one of them. I have Dawn. Dawn is a monster of a human because she's just I mean, I write about her all the time. She's incredible. She just had a baby too and she, she I think she deadlifted the like 405 right before giving birth or something crazy. Oh, she's my just, goodness. she's insane. I have Lindsay who is also awesome. She's a photographer and she comes to some of our events and she does photography. She's great. Um, I have my tall, she's super strong. She has like a two mid 200 bench, like 250 or, or higher bench. Wow. And then we have, <laughs> we have a few other girls. We have uh, crystal. She keeps it She's a little bit quieter, um, but we, we have people who have different roles in the group, like um, Roz. Roz has helped the group. She's actually an accountant, and she set up all the files for the group, and she's just super organized. So um, they're just like a really awesome group of women, and they help me out a lot. It so. sounds like you just built this community of women just helping each other. And so why did you even start that page? What, what made you want to do it? Well, there is such limited resources on information for women, which I found frustrating because, um, not only is there limited resources, there's, there are very few, or back then there were very few female powerlifting coaches. And it seemed like a lot of them hid behind either a husband. And when I say hid, I mean, it's almost as if the industry kind of made it so that the women did bodybuilding, the males did powerlifting. So if you had a female uh, powerlifter, the husband did all the coaching. Mm. And I just thought that's not really, I, I didn't think it should be that way. I thought women should have a stronger voice in powerlifting mm. and women should be able to support each other in a community that's not like everywhere we go, it's male dominated. And the, this is the one place you can go where you can just get a voice from another woman instead of a man coming in and telling you, no, this is how it should be. You should train like this. You should stop doing cardio. You should eat everything. Cause that's what I heard when I started, it was all men around me telling me, you know, you need to get big and you know, that's not, that's not how it really works, yeah. you know? So, 
Um, so yeah, I thought there was a really big gap in the information that was out there. Yeah. So I enjoy, um, seeing just the, the little things that you guys, as far as themes, and then I really enjoy, um, how it's organized. And I think that that's important. I think that's one of the successes. And it seems like with your moderators and what you guys have all kind of thought about all those areas that would be important for, you know, really like successful page, instead of just a page where people are like, uh, I'm frustrated, you know, like you have themes for the days when you want to like bitch about somebody or something mm-hmm. that's happened to you, you know, and I think that's amazing because there are times when I, and you know, I never realized the, the, I guess the span of women who hear the same kind of comments. Like I knew that women would hear certain things from family members and things like that. But, you know, on that, on that particular post, you know, that you have every week, that thread is crazy. Like you hear people are like, I get so sad because my mother-in-law tells me I'm going to be a, become a man. And that, you know, I mean, so, and yeah, my mom too, and this and this. And I'm like, man, there, I think I'm just so surrounded by people who are supportive that when I see so many women who are being not supported, it's so sad. And and that makes me want to open myself even more to, to be like, Hey, you're welcome. Come as you are, have fun and, and do this. But it's, it's interesting because I think that you've created a little environment where people can actually feel like, Hey, I'm not alone when I go through all these struggles. Yeah, I think that's a huge one because we have women who have all varying levels of experience who can say, you know, 10 years ago, my mother-in-law said the same thing, but now my mother-in-law comes to me and I train her. So after a while, people are going to get over it and they're going to, you know, come to you for help or they're just going to, you know, ignore you and let you do your thing. And either way, it's going to be win-win. So just keep fighting the good fight, you know? Yeah. So when you started transitioning over from regular personal training to focusing on powerlifting, how was that for you? Did you, as far as, um, you know, coaching people in powerlifting, did you, what kind of resources did you reach out for? What kind of things did you read? Did you just try whatever? Because I tried whatever at the beginning. I was like, well, this sounds like it works. <laughs> so it's it's funny again, because I feel like everything I did was kind of by luck or accident because I never intended to be a powerlifting coach. When I was working at Gold's Gym, um, I had someone come up to me and say, are you Mel? And I was like, am I in trouble? What is going on? And she said, well, you do powerlifting, right? And I was like, yeah, because I would post on my Instagram all the time about my powerlifting. She's like, well, can you turn me into a powerlifter? And I was like this is interesting. So, um, she ended up being my first powerlifting client and she ended up, uh, getting world records in 2015 in powerlifting. And that was what kind of uh, snowballed into Mel's a powerlifting coach. And so I never, I never really thought that that's what would happen. And even when I started coaching more athletes, I did not think or intend that powerlifting would be my niche. I just, I liked it as an athlete and as a coach, I was open to training any type of athletes. And I, and I still do. I work with a lot of military endurance, triathletes, like all sorts of different types of athletes. But because I compete in powerlifting, people gravitate because I have the powerlifting women page, people gravitate who do powerlifting or they get really into it because I'm really into it. 
And um, it's actually funny to me because at a certain point I was like, you know, I want to, I like challenging myself, doing something different, working with different types of athletes. And then I was like, you know, I think that would be a disservice because I have so much experience in this that if people like doing powerlifting, want to come to me for powerlifting, I'm going to commit myself to that instead of fighting against it. Right. So, so yeah, I kind of, it, it was kind of by accident and it was a happy accident. Yeah. And so to answer your question, what resources, honestly, the more I research powerlifting specifically, the more like the deeper I get into actual scientific research, which I didn't for a long time, I was reading a bunch of like articles, you know, you go on the internet and stuff. And what I found is that a lot of the powerlifting programs are adapted from scientific principles and just reformatted, reshaped, marketed in a different way. So if you go down to and look at the scientific principles of training, they're all going to be the same. They all come from the same bare bones. And this is why they mostly look uh, similar to each other. Uh, If you look at cube method, five, three, one, whatever you look at, you're basically looking at a program that has high intensity, low repetitions. Um, and what, what anybody could do and should do is just look at the scientific principles of how someone gets stronger. They could probably build their own programming really easily. And so for me, coaching isn't about the program. Coaching is about the relationship with your athlete, developing them into, um, a stronger person not just physically, but mentally, how do you approach the bar? How do you approach a weightlifting session? How do you think about lifting before you even get under the bar? Those things are more important than those things are the things that I focus on. Even when I'm teaching the barbell class at Columbus state, it's, it's not, how are you executing the lift? It's how are you approaching the lift? How are you unracking? How are you stabilizing? How are you re-racking? Right. And then I miss this whole big chunk of what about the squat? Well, everyone squats, right? But not everybody approaches the bar the same way. Not everybody even thinks about that. And that's the missing link for a lot of people. And so I think developing an athlete is a much more integral part of coaching than writing the program itself. Yeah. So I agree. And, and and you hit it right on there. I think we often forget things that, um, are basics of, you know, and that could be something that each of you listening could, you know, reach out and, and, and study about. I mean, you can even find YouTube videos where they're talking about Prolepin's chart. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, those are the basics. If you're hitting all the, all the four pillars in Prolepin's table, then essentially, I mean, Prolepin's table is basically what you would see in a, in a program. So if you see somebody who's doing 70%, more than likely they're doing, you know, four to six sets of how many reps, and then there's a rep range that you want to hit, right? So there's like a maximal amount like, hey, it'd be great if you hit 13 reps or 20 reps. There is a range where they say it's optimal. Um, Doesn't mean that that's the best for you, but that is something that you can go off of and you can judge and create a program for yourself based off of that. And there are principles as how strength increases. And then it goes a little deeper of how you would peak into a meet. That also is very different. Like before I was doing bodybuilding, you don't peak for nothing. I would increase my strength and add five pounds and things like that. But there was no peak. Like I had no concept of that. I was like, what do you mean? You just get stronger, not understanding the way uh, strength works, the way adaptation works and uh, the way you would increase fatigue over time. Like 
everything was fatiguing to me. I was doing everything. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't understand. Um, but yeah, I think that's important. I think people miss that, that like a lot of what I do in coaching is like, I, I send videos all the time and they see me, uh, you know, talking to them like, Hey, I want you to like, you just, like you said, like when you, before you set up, before you take that drop down on your squat, you need to go through your checklist of things that you're supposed to be doing your breath, your brace, you know, whatever these things are, instead of just going right to it. And those things you don't realize, right. And so that's why a coach is super important for that. Because if they're invested in their client and their member, then they're going to go down that checklist with them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think people get hung up on the program. I hear all the time, how do you program? How many days per week? How this, how that? And I say, it doesn't matter. I can send you a hundred different programs I've written for my clients throughout the years, and that's not going to help you because you're different. There's a reason I've written a hundred different programs because I cater to that person individually, but the program itself, it literally does not matter because you're going to be different than the person next to you. You're going to have a different, like we said, different approach, different mentality, different strength level, different experience, different preferences, all of that. So when you get down to the nitty gritty, don't, don't focus on the program. Don't focus on, um, you know, how many days per week and et cetera. If you have a relationship with your coach, they'll figure that out for you. But if, if you're trying to train for yourself and you're, let's say if you're following a, a training template, there's basic principles where if they're checking the, the block for those principles, you're good to go. Yep. Aside from that, when you see coaches who do fancy programming that looks different than you've ever seen before, it's probably because they're just not doing it the way that it should be done. For example, um, if you're seeing, usually when you look at a program, you see compound lift and then accessories. There's a reason we do that. There's a reason we do heavier lifts first and then we do lighter lifts. So all of these things should be, um, integral in your program. So if you're seeing, you know, a really unique new method where they're doing sprints and then they're doing squats, then you have to kind of look at it and be like, okay, why am I grav am I gravitating toward novelty or do I want to get strong? Yeah, that's a big thing, right? Because we even have that in our questionnaire is how important is exercise variety to you? Because mm -hmm. we're living in an age where every workout needs to be different. Everything needs to change over time. We want to keep the body guessing. Uh, and I think that that message is misleading. You know, I think that it's great that we have um, variety in our training, you know, for not having overuse and things like that. Uh, but when we're talking about building, especially for powerlifting, if you're talking about competing and powerlifting, there are certain standard things that you should be doing. Um, and you should be progressing those lifts over time versus having a variety of different things in there. And, you know, it's funny, people will say things like, oh, well, I've, I do all these lifts, like, you know, nothing is crazy shoulder press and, you know, like basic exercises. Well, yeah, because it's not necessarily... The program that is amazing. Yes, that is important, but you're very right. You know, you need to be able to focus in the gym. Like my trainings have been shit off and on because when I go in, I'm so not there mentally. I'm going through the motions, but mentally I'm not giving the effort that I should and the focus that I should, which I know would, you know, make my lift so much better. Yeah. And powerlifting is a very boring sport. That's the reality of it. And as much as I love it, 
I get tired of it too. I want variation. And like you said, that's a conversation you need to have. And that's, that, that is also what we ask our clients when they're going from one block to a next block is, um, do you like variety or consistency in your training programs? If you like consistency, great. You're going to be a great powerlifting athlete. If you like variety, like myself, you know, you might not be as good of a powerlifting athlete, but at least you'll be interested enough to continue powerlifting yes. <laughs> so we can get you to the platform. Cause that's important too. If you're bored out of your mind and you don't want to train, you're not going to get anywhere. So it's better if you have a little variety, spice it up and then hit the platform. I've had people compete in a meet after not even hitting squat bench dead because they were so tired of squatting, benching and deadlifting. And I told them, you know, we can change it, but you're not going to perform as well. If you can accept that, then that's fine. That's on you as the athlete, because, you know, we're not doing this for big bucks. We're doing this as a hobby. So you need to enjoy it. And if you enjoy it, you'll stick to it. And you know, that's the bottom line. Yeah. That's so crazy. Like I could see that. I mean, I have somebody right now where we're probably not going to squat or back squat till right before just mm-hmm. because she's got injury. So we're working around that injury. So we're doing, you know, like we're going to do some box squats and things that are partial movements for her. Um, but yeah, I can't imagine like not doing any of the three lifts and then, hey, let's go compete. Like that's, I'd be scared of that. <laughs> yeah. I, trust me. I was scared too. But once you have that conversation, you know, you're an adult, I'm an adult. If you decide you don't want to squat and then you want to compete in the squat, that's totally on you and I'm willing to do it. And you know, usually after they do that once, they don't do it again. So yeah. they check it off the block and you're like, all right, let's squat, bench and deadlift. Yeah. <laughs> So what do you think are some of the biggest things you're seeing right now for women in powerlifting? I mean, I feel like you've been doing it a while now. You've been introduced to this page. You know, you have a lot of people commenting. Like, I feel like now I'm seeing more walks of life. I've seen people who I would have never thought just start training. Like people who are like lots of money, older white women, you know, like people who I would have never uh, imagined would enjoy powerlifting. Um, do you see any trends in yourself? So when I first started competing, I think about 10% of the lifters were female and now it's shifting to about 50% ish closer to that number for some meets. And recently when I was judging at a meet in, um, near Atlanta, I met an international judge, a national judge, and I was sitting and judging, I think it was my first, uh, first flight that I was judging and I was sitting with all women as other judges. And so after that, I had never met them before. I went up to them. I was like, this is the first time I've ever sat and, and judged a meet where I had two other judges like co-judging with me. And I thought that was amazing. And she said, yeah, that was really amazing. And we're actually going to host an all female meet with all female spotters, all female, uh, judges, all female competitors, all female music, like everything. And I was just like, wow, that would be awesome. And they're down in, uh, Florida. They're going to, they're going to try to be part of the study, but I thought, I thought that was really cool. So definitely it's becoming more accessible. And I think the more we see that when women do powerlifting, they don't turn into men. Like, like, you know, we (laughs) have heard all of our lifting careers, like you're eventually going to be a dude. It's like, I've been doing this for quite a while. I'm not a dude yet, but maybe maybe one day. Um, I always say that I'm like, you know, (laughs) you know, if it was that easy, I've been lifting for so long now. I've been trying to be big this whole time. And this is as big (laughs) as I can get. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, 
It's so funny too, because, you know, if you're powerlifting strictly, sometimes you don't even look like you lift. Like for me, for a long time, I felt like I did not look like I even lifted weights. So people would be shocked that I would, I was moving all this weight. Oh yeah. Cause and you I, can squat a, you, you have a big total, man. You move some weight. I love it. It's funny because I, um, I troll people now. So, <laughs> so like <laughs> I literally went to, so I'm near Fort Benning. I think I'm like 40 minutes from Fort Benning. They have the best, uh, Rangers competing every year. And so now, you know, the army changed its fitness protocol. So now they do the deadlifts with a trap bar. And so, uh, they had a station set up with a trap bar and people were going and trying to set the highest, uh, highest deadlift. Like, and yes, <laughs> I went up to them. I was like, what is that? <laughs> and they're like, oh, honey, this is, you know, you try to lift that up. And I was like, wow, you know, that girl's so strong. They're like, yeah, she's a, she's an Olympic lifter, power lifter. I was like, I want to try that, try to do that. They're like, oh no, no, no. Let's strip the bar. They stripped the bar completely. It was just the, the bar. bar. <laughs> And I was like, oh, Ooh, Lord, this is heavy. <laughs> yeah. So did you load I, it? I hope you loaded that motherfucker. They, they literally would not let me. <laughs> oh, you trolled too hard. I had three guys around me. Like they're like, no, we'll load. And they were loading like 10 pounds at a time. I was getting tired of like lifting this, you know? So, um, eventually when it got past, like, I think the 200 mark, they're like, come on. What are you not telling us? What do you do? <laughs> and the owner actually came by and he, he was like, you know, cut the crap. Yeah. I know you do something. <laughs> and I finally told him, he's like, all right, that makes sense. So then they loaded the weight. And um, so we had a good time. That's awesome. So what did they load it to? I think my top triple was a 390. Okay. So, I think the max for the the new test is like 405, right? Um, I thought it was 380 oh, to it? my knowledge for three, they change it every, since then they've changed it. So okay. I'm not sure right now, but I think at that point it was 380, which was kind of, I was trying to prove a point by yeah. pulling 390. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's crazy. It's a, well, I do like that they have like the rules all around, you know, everybody has to do it, but that 405 is like the, the top pull that really says, you know, about all the guys that are there. So that's the top pull on a trap bar. Because you could just, you pull, is it a high bar trap bar too? So they have the handles up higher or is it turned around where the handles are lower? Yeah, the, okay. the handles are lower and the handles are wide too. That was the main struggle. Uh, yeah. And um, the grip is wider than we're used to. So it's yeah. like the wider grip set. So, uh, but considering the fact that they have to do a bunch of different activities afterward. The I think running and all if, that? Ugh. Yeah, running, sled pull, and, you know, they do a whole bunch of different activities. So if you can max out that test, kudos to you because that, that test is actually pretty hard. Um, so I yeah. think I think if anything, the deadlift's probably one of the easier lifts, yeah. and uh, the rest of the stuff is just like, I don't know, don't ask me to run two miles because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they've only had one or two people actually max it out, whereas the old PT tests, anybody, I mean, don't everybody would max it out. Like if you were a decent shape, you could max it out. But like now I heard it, they, it's not meant to be maxed out. You know, it's like, it's that hard. Um, which I think is, that's good. I think it's more, more well-rounded. Um, and I think it would benefit our soldiers more. 
Yeah, I'm happy about it. I know uh, talking to some of the soldiers, they're not happy that they can't max out. Yeah, that's what I've heard. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, honestly, I think it's a much better structured test than the one previously because you'd see a lot of injuries with the other one. You know, people had weak hip flexors and they, you know, a lot of hip injuries for people going into basic training and coming out. So I think this is an overall, it's going to make the soldiers much more well-rounded and I'm happy about that. I don't care about people maxing out their PT test. I don't, I think that's like an ego thing, you know, pass it or fail it. If you're hitting your standard, you're good to go. You're showing that you're, you know, keeping on top of it and, you know, you should just be happy about that and let it be what it is. Yeah. I think it'll be that standard going forward. Like if you had a, if you max out your PT test, you look like a better soldier, but now if everybody's standard is around the same, then it's like, oh, okay, great. You're really close to maxing it out, but you ain't maxing it out just yet. (laughs) (laughs) I had a lot, my husband was in the military, so I had a lot of soldiers out, you know, I trained with. Just, I mean, just the basics, you know, some of them coming back from pregnancy that they couldn't even do push-ups and things like that. So I remember thinking like, oh, they should really change this. But, you know, I'm not the army, so I don't, I don't know all the intricacies of why they do what they do. Uh, But I did want to talk about your study. So tell me a little bit about this wonderful study that you have. And so last time I saw Mel, we're at the Golden Ape uh, drug test and meat. And I didn't even know it was you, right? So I didn't realize till Valeria, Val, who is who is one of her clients, is a friend of mine, shout out to Val, uh, who fucking killed it after having surgery, like did so awesome. And she just had surgery uh, and she wasn't even expecting to do that well. Um, she was like, oh yeah, that's, I mean, that's her right there. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, so this new hot girl, because <laughs> we know all the, you know, when you're, when you're a ref in your state, you know, all the refs, you know, like, see, you know who they are. And I was like, oh, this is like, this must be a new girl, but I wasn't, I wasn't judging. So I didn't even like, you know, think about it. I was handling and uh, I was like, oh my gosh, totally. That's you because your Facebook is always your half photo. Right. So I never really thought about it. Every once in a while, I'll see your face, but like, I didn't, it didn't dawn on me that that was you. And so, so funny when you're asking about, you know, people for your study, you're like, I don't want to get on the mic. I don't want to get on the mic. And you pass the mic over to one of the other guys. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, I'm I'm actually very, very shy when it comes to stuff like that. Like I don't like asking for people to do stuff or troubling people. So I was happy that I had other people who would get on the mic for me. Yeah. But yeah, and I keep a kind of low profile on Facebook. I you don't, do. I like, like it. You know, because I have students, so I don't, yes, you know, I don't want to yes. be found. And then I say something I'm not supposed to and I get in trouble. So yeah. I kind of had to think about that, too, because I do I do run my mouth sometimes. Yeah, but um, oh, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this study is on uh, powerlifters. And so I worked really, really hard to convince my committee. So my um, my department is more cardio based at school. They they're into the apps, cardio, blood flow restrictions, stuff like that. Mm. I really had to fight to get them to let me do powerlifting as my topic since they don't have a lot of experience with it. They said, well, how are we supposed to help you or guide you if we don't have the experience in your field? And so I, I, you know, stubborn as ever. So I kind of, I fought for it and I kind of compromised. So they're, they really work with blood flow restriction. And so I said, why don't we do the effective blood flow restriction on powerlifting athletes? Because there's nothing out there that covers this because everything, and I tried looking even past the scientific research. I looked on YouTube. I looked everywhere for information on 
blood flow restriction on, on powerlifters or even on high intensity training, like higher percentages. And basically blood flow restriction is, is pretty much only used at lower percentage of your one rep max. So 20 to 30%, it's used in a lot of clinical applications, rehabilitative. And so they said, well, why would athletes use it? If the purpose of it is for lower percentages, then, you know, it doesn't make sense to use it on higher percentage. And I said, but that's one point of view. What if you have powerlifters who are working a regular powerlifting program and they gain 10 pounds on their maxes and then you add blood flow restriction and they gain 20 pounds on their maxes? Yeah. You don't know if it, they will or they won't because you've never done it. Mm-hmm. Nobody's seen what happens. And so you get a lot of eye rolls like, oh, no, this will never work. It's supposed to be lower. And I said, listen, if you're seeing hypertrophy gains on at 20 to 30% and we know that without blood flow restriction strength gains come at a higher percentage why not have higher percentage plus blood flow restriction to see if we get we can elicit a strength response yeah and so uh, with a lot of digging i found with the help of one of my committee um, members she found an article on rugby players who did five by five squat bench and pull-ups with blood flow restriction. And they got an increase in strength response. And I was like, this is the ticket. This is what I can use to basically structure my study so that we can kind of have, um, a reason for moving forward at a higher percentage. Right. There's some validity with it. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So um, I finally convinced them and they approved my research study. So now um, I'm trying to get it approved by the review board and hopefully we could start it by sometime uh, February 7th, 8th is my goal for getting people in, getting them measured. And then either they're going to be in the control group and they're going to do the um, strength training on their own. They can come work with, work out with me too, but usually powerlifters like to work out in their own gyms with their coaches or whatever. And, um, but they do get a program uh, provided by the study. And then the experimental group is going to have blood flow restriction uh, applied to them for their two of the workouts of the week out of three. So it's really cool because, you know, one of the leading researchers in powerlifting is Eric Helms and he's out of New Zealand. A lot of the powerlifting research comes out of New Zealand specifically and that particular university. And I haven't seen a lot of powerlifting research in general, and I have not seen any, to my knowledge, female powerlifting researchers. So I think this is a really, really cool step forward for powerlifting and for women. And just in general, I think it's going to be so awesome. I think that is amazing. Like I've never done blood flow restriction higher than that. You know, I'm normally doing, I mean, when I have, it's been on my quads and, you know, it's like leg extensions at, yeah, like really submaxable, maybe like even like 10 or 15% because I'm a weenie. And once it starts going, I'm like, holy shit, this feels like it's going to explode. <laughs> like it's pretty gnarly. So I'm excited. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, classic powerlifting, equipped powerlifting with knee wraps and the compression suits, that's kind of a form of blood flow restriction. Interesting. So I thought maybe part of the gains are from the blood flow restriction. You never know. So. Right. I mean, um, and I think, you know, you were doing it right. It was science tells you do it at low percentages for your accessory movements. Mm -hmm. But what if we're missing something and we can strap on some blood flow restriction cuffs, do our squat bench dead, and we blow our numbers out of the water? You don't know. So I want want to find that answer. And I think whether it helps or if it doesn't help, 
just the fact that we have a solid answer as to if it does or doesn't is a step forward. So I'd be happy either way. Yeah. And so for everybody listening, blood flow restriction is a, is an actual, like if you think of wrapping your knees, it almost looks the same. And there's different levels to blood flow restriction devices. They have some that are like really expensive, which is probably something you would have in like a, a, a school environment um, where it measures the actual pressure. Um, it, just think of a blood pressure cuff, but really tight and you use it um, either on your thighs or your arms or your calves. And I first heard of blood flow restriction a long time ago when Japan was doing it. And so my dad, he would, I swear my dad's like ahead of the curve. He would tell me all this stuff. He's like, Heidi, you see what they're doing in Japan? He would get all, I mean, this is like 2000 something, like early 2000s, like hella long time ago, only in a, in a clinical setting, you know, it wasn't athletes doing it. Um, and I'm like, that sounds crazy. And it was a whole article and we went kind of, it was biceps. And so it was pretty much, they cut off their arm. They put, I mean, they put the cuff at the top of the bicep. They did a certain amount of bicep, you know, exercises for a extended period of time. And then the biceps grow. I mean, there is a lot of research supporting that you can have hypertrophy in that area. And there's a lot of different reasons why it would happen. Um, but it sucks. Like if you've ever done this and I remember when I wanted like big thighs, I was like, I'll put those around my thighs. Cause I want big, I want big quads, you know? And then I'm like, this is unbelievable. Like it hurts like on my butt because it's right below your butt cheek. Like places you wouldn't think I'm like, why does my butt hurt so much? It should be like my quads. It's like <laughs> everything's so nuts. So it's interesting that, you know, the application for blood flow restriction for the most part is supposed to be in that area, right? Her hypertrophy and things like that. But I like that you're going that way. So I'm really interested to see how that would come out because imagine the possibility if it actually is a positive, you know, what you would think, um, be awesome. Yeah. I mean, um, and I tried it myself. So we're using of the, course. you know, super <laughs> expensive, the ones where you pump with a, you know, it looks like, like you said, a blood pressure cuff. So we can actually measure the amount of pressure. So I think the one you're talking about out of Japan. So the Japanese actually is a Japanese doctor who accidentally stumbled upon blood flow restriction because I think he had something strapped around his leg and he uh, experienced like an increased swelling in the area. And he was like, well, can I do, you know, can I work out with this and uh, experience gains? So now we, we kind of control the amount of pressure with the kind of blood flow restriction cuff by pumping it up and it's not fun. So, uh, <laughs> you know, and especially at higher intensity, it kind of, and especially, you know, compound movements, it's just, it's a different feeling because now your body is kind of brushing up against the cuffs. Whereas, you know, with mm. a, with the tourniquets or with hypertrophy or with, um, the single joint movements, you're not really affecting your body positioning or your kind of performance in a way. Yeah. So I think that there, there's definitely more research to be done um, in terms of like, how does it affect you mentally when you have something tied to your arm or to your leg? Interesting. Um, does that play a part for performance athletes? You know, all of that is there's so much more research to be done if this does end up um, being the way to go to increase your gains, you know? Yeah. So I think that I think this is going to be a solid first step. So I'm excited. Yeah. So are you still looking for people to participate if that all goes through? I am. I actually got a much better turnout than I ever thought, but 
Um, I need a lot of local people. So people who can come in and train with the blood flow restriction cuffs would be great. And then we have, we set up a competition. So Steve Goggins is coming down to Columbus to actually host a competition here as like a favor. Oh, nice. um, so yeah, it was really nice. Um, so now I can get the local people who are doing the blood flow restriction to compete in a competition to kind of see, okay, um, do we make gains or not? And the competition's going to be kind of like our standard. So, um, I want people to be able to perform well in competition because, you know, powerlifters, that's, that's what matters. So what we do in the gym, you know, it's great, but does it translate into bigger gains on the platform? Yeah, totally. Well, this has been awesome. And and before I let you go, this is a question I like to ask all my guests is what the hell is wrong with you people? What the hell was I thinking? So you think back in a time, preferably in your powerlifting career, (laughs) that you did something so stupid that you look back and you think, what the fuck was I thinking doing that? Can you think of a time? Oh my gosh. So after my first competition, you know, I meet all these awesome guys who now I want to train with them and learn more about powerlifting and see what they're doing. And, you know, at the time I was into just general fitness. So I would, you know, I would run as a warm up and I would do some bodybuilding, some boxing, some, I would do all sorts of things. And they said, Mel, you're going to lift three times a week. You're going to cut out all that cardio. You're going to start eating like a big boy, you know? <laughs> and so, um, I would skip me and my family would have Sunday dinners every week and I would skip Sunday dinner, which was, um, like the worst thing for them. I would drive an hour, train with the guys, eat with the guys, and then drive an hour back home. And when I say eat with the guys, I'm talking like steak, eggs, pancakes, like the whole, like what you'd eat in a day, I <laughs> ate in a meal. Okay. <laughs> I gained a bunch of weight. I stopped doing cardio. My conditioning was crap. And I, I did not make very many gains at all. Like I, I didn't get stronger. So after like three months of this, I'm like, guys, I'm really fat right now. <laughs> it, <laughs> It hurts to run. Um, it hurts and to breathe. I'm, exactly. And I'm not stronger. What is going on? Uh, and they're like, oh, no, it's just water weight. You just need to do a really it's hard water, water weight. <laughs> yeah, you need to drop 20 pounds of water. And girl, I don't sweat. I'm not a person that sweats. They put me on this water cut. I... I think I just turned purple when I sat in the sauna <laughs> and um, didn't lose very much. It was just the most, it was the worst thing. So now, you know, when, when girls are like, you know, I, I love powerlifting because I can eat whatever I want and I can, you know, um, you know, not do cardio. And I'm just like, no, please don't make this mistake because yes. I made it and it's a painful one to learn. Yes. So. Yes. I think that there's, there's a fine line between, um, you know, not being super Nazi about your calories and your foods and things like that. And just overindulging, not giving a fuck whatsoever, because yeah, bigger doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get stronger. And in fact, I think it's funny because we all are like, you don't need to be fit. Like there should be a base level of fitness. Like I should be able to go run around with my kids and not feel like I'm going to like be out of breath. You know, I, there should be a base level of fitness and your program should have something in there for that. So if you're going all crazy, (laughs) don't make the same mistake. 
And I mean, the nutrition is the huge thing for me too. I'm a huge nutrition person. And I think, you know, at some point it was trendy to do the uh, cookies and protein shakes and all that. Mm -hmm. And then you realize, why is my, if I'm following my macros, why is my recovery trash? Why my, you know, my body composition isn't changing. And then you realize that, wow, if I don't give my body nutrition, like vitamins, minerals, you know, um, (laughs) I'm not going to recover well. I'm not going to perform form well. And once you change all that, you change even meal timing. People are like, meal timing doesn't matter. BS. Meal timing absolutely does matter. And, um, because if you, if you don't eat all day and then you train, you're going to train like crap. Come on. So you're telling me it doesn't matter that you eat before you train or you eat during training or right after to recover. So all of that matters for athletes. It might not matter for general population, but it matters for us. And so once, like once I got my nutrition in order, that was a game changer. Like I, I may not have lost weight, but my body composition is better. My performance is better. I PR, um, you know, consistently and my moods are more consistent. My energy is more consistent. So all of that really matters. Like what you put in your body, I think is the biggest key for athletes because training is just a stimulus, Yeah. but your what you put in your body is what your body can use for the gains and for the recovery and for the energy. And so I think that that's a huge missing piece. And I'm, I'm glad I, I don't think as many people think like that now as they did before, but if anybody's a new lifter and they think that powerlifting is donuts and pizza, that's the biggest misconception. We might eat pizza and donuts, but we also eat our fruits and veggies, you know? So like, make sure you're getting it in is all I'm saying. <laughs> That's exactly right. You can have your little indulgences there, but make sure you're hitting all the important parts for your that'll make you perform better. Yeah, for sure. Oh, Mel, this has been great. And I'm very excited for your study and I wish you the best with all of that. And I can't wait to maybe, hopefully everything goes through and then we can recap maybe at the end of the year. How long is the study supposed to be? Oh, that would be awesome. The study is eight weeks long okay. and then I'll do my uh, data analysis and then I'll, I'll pr- present it to... Um, whoever comes to to look at my thesis defense to watch me and to critique me. So, um, yeah, I'd love to recap maybe summer or yeah. fall. You That'd know, be fantastic. I would love, I'm sure, I'm sure people would love to hear about it and maybe, you know, what you discovered through it.